0: I created my last book is entitled Nonviolent Vernacular, Positive Ways to Say Certain Things. And so like really looking at words and forcing people to be aware of how they can say things differently. So it's interesting that what limited me before is what's liberating
1: me now. Welcome to It's the Human Experience Podcast, hosted by Hazel Brown, a healthcare leader, wife, mom, and career coach. If you're big on authenticity, personal development, perseverance, and transparency, you're in the right place. Get ready to be uplifted, inspired, and empowered as you become fearless. In pursuit of the life you desire and deserve. Our goal is to help you level up by creating a safe space to learn and reflect while listening to transparent stories from our host or successful professionals and business owners who've agreed to share the parts of success that typically gets X'd out on social media. Because that's the part you need to see and hear the process. Go ahead and subscribe. You don't want to miss out on these transparent stories and discussions that reveal highs, lows, aha moments, and nuggets that'll help you to grow and glow.
2: Hey, 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 thanks for tuning in to the It's the Human Experience podcast. I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Today, I have Dr. Shaniqua Pierre with me. We're going to talk all things, her journey, just aha moments, and really getting deep into her journey into becoming who she is today. So speaking of that, I'm going to start with the first question I'm going to ask. Who is Dr. Shaniqua Pierre?
0: A very interesting question, first of all, thank you so much, Hazel, for the opportunity uh to allow people to get to know and learn more about my story um and share my narrative and so, in thinking about dr Schnepier uh it's a title that I've recently adapted since twenty twenty one I think of an unapologetic a person that truly understands the beauty of awareness, advocacy, and action. In addition to that, it's a multi-hyphenate. And so someone that has the ability to deal uh, in a multitude of different things. And so always living life from the lens of a duality where it's like understanding multiple perspectives at the same time. And so when I think of uh, Dr. Shaniqua Pierre. I think of one that leads by example. I think of one that really understands the beauty of experience and exploration. And then I also think of just um, one that truly has embraced the journey uh, to what it means to really equip, empower, and educate people along the way.
2: Wow, I love that! Like it really embodies a lot of who you are and the way that you describe yourself. So I love that about you. I think I I heard the expiration part, and that kind of touched me. Like, ooh, expiration is so important that we yeah. realize that everything and everyone has a season in our lives.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And so, really understanding. That in exploration, there is also uh, expiration, right? Where understanding that there are seasons and times and being able to embrace that I feel has really prepped me along the way to um, embrace my journey. So that I understand that, that there are seasons and times. And so when there is transition or when there is change, being able to embrace it, but not from a deficit lens, but one where I'm expected to to win and really win big.
2: Yeah, I love that. I think that lately what has been um, instrumental for me is realizing like we're just like plants have seasons in the sense that they're not always blooming. Sometimes they're resting and understanding that everything is important in our journey for growth. I think that really changes your perspective and understanding that, you know, something bad is not happening to me. In fact, something good is happening. I'm growing, I'm healing, and I'm giving myself time and grace to get to where I need to be.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. In fact, I feel like you just spoke my whole life right now. Um really walking into a season of rest because for so long, I feel like I'm being ambitious, being very dedicated. I'm being very driven because life taught means survival. And so always having to be on and perform, I've realized that I'm not a human doer, I'm a human being. And so embracing what it means to be, embracing what it means to become has thrusted me into a tranquil season of rest and learning that rest is a weapon because um, with rest, I feel like I've been rejuvenated and refreshed to be able to tackle and embrace this new journey. You hear me say embrace a lot because I think so often in life, things are thrown at us and we automatically accept them. But the difference between embracing them is that I'm welcoming it. And it's a decision, it's a choice. And so being able to embrace this season of rest and recovery uh, to prepare for not even my next season, but now has been Um, it's been welcoming, but it's also been one where I've learned so much about my journey and really what it means to understand all facets of what makes me me.
2: Yeah. I love that for you. I think that too many times as Black women and women in general, we're in the mode of go, go, go. And not only that, we're taught to be independent, to aim for education, to aim for all these goals. And at no point are we taught that it's okay to rest. I think early on, the earliest thing that I heard in terms of a concept of rest was that When you cry, it relieves a lot of the burden that's on your shoulder. And it's great because that release allows you to go again. But at no point do we talk about the importance of rest. Mm -hmm. And if crying provides that level of release, then can you imagine if we allow ourselves to just rest and reflect on how far we've come to your point so that we're stronger as we go into our next chapter? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. So, if you could describe yourself in three words,
0: how would you describe yourself? Sure. I would say loving and not from a cliche stance, but like loving as far as like really embodying what it means to endure, um, steadfastness. Uh, And so, this idea of resilience that's the word I'm looking for long suffering. And so, really understanding that long suffering is love, right? So, there's this romantic part of love, there's the eros, but then there's agape. And so often people attribute agape love with the love that we receive from God as a believer. um, I'm referencing me, right? And so it's rare that you hear people reference agape love when it comes to platonic relationships or even an attribute that they use to describe themselves. And so when I think of me this season, I, I really understand in first Corinthians when it talks about love is patient, love is kind, but love is also long suffering. And so really understanding that it's part of my makeup. At one point of my life, I hated my heart. I, I regretted it and I had to go back and repent because I've seen with the heart that I have the ability to be able to really embody what it means to be long suffering is not a trait that many people are welcoming right where it's like consistently forgiving consistently um turning the other cheek consistently loving unconditionally without limits and parameters and at 39 years i'm now able to see it as a gift versus as before i thought it was a curse
2: yeah yeah It's so funny. Like so much of what you says resonates in so many different ways. And I'll elaborate a little bit. Um, My mom's favorite saying was love is the master key. And sometimes I would say to her, like, lady, you love too much. I need you to calm down and chill. And I think for me, I used a lot of what I witnessed in her love and thought to myself over the years, when I think about friendships and platonic relationships, to your point, I felt like the way that I pour, it is not healthy for me because a lot of people don't pour in that same regard. And I have not come to your awakening yet (laughs) to where I look at it as a blessing because I've just felt like though there are moments where I realize that clearly there are people like me out there that pour at that level, but I feel like you encounter a lot more in terms of the amount of people that are just takers and they're not realizing like we are all here as gifts for other people and the things that we have within us should be poured into others. It's not all about selves and God blesses us abundantly when we Mm -hmm. use our gifts and when we show up to be able to help other people. So I feel like your
0: level of growth is commendable. (laughs) I would encourage you just even in that the the point where you are um, because I was in that state for a very long time, but it wasn't until I realized that people come to me for what they don't have. Right. And so, Really understanding, because that was always my question, reciprocity, reciprocity. Uh, when Lauren Hill coined that in that her famous song, Nothing Even Matters, right? It's just this idea of when am I ever going to get what I give in return? But then if we truly believe that we are one of one, right, that we are an anomaly in our own right, I don't expect people to give me me. Yeah. And so from that, I've learned that even in wanting reciprocity in that way, could it be that there is something else? And for me, this is what helped me really embody and embrace this idea of long suffering. It was that that there was a lack or a need for something else that I thought if I had a me, my life would be different. But I feel like if I had a me, I don't think I would have appreciated it. I don't think I would have valued it. Um to where people that actually need what I have, the reason it's a need is because it also alludes to me being necessary. Yeah. So I kind of grounded in truly understanding my alignment and my purpose. And that's what helped me really just embrace the heart. That I have, where it's like, okay, I I am one that that understands long suffering. I am one that at times can be weary, but I I just have this gift, this fortitude, being able to endure. And then I learned that, like, I've encountered people that have that as a deficit. As an educator, as a principal, as a mentor, even as a mom, I encounter people on a daily basis that need love that's unconditional. And so when they encounter me, I have a better understanding of what I am supposed to give. And then what I've also found is that because I'm free and willing to give it, that all the all the things that I need or the things that I lack, I, I receive in other ways.
2: Yeah. And I think that in hearing everything that you're saying, as you speak about being a principal, I think it's clear that. Oftentimes in that role, a superpower has to be the ability to love in that capacity. Mm -hmm. And so I typically ask, like, what is your superpower? But as you're talking, it's clear that that is absolutely one of your superpowers.
0: Yeah, love uh, is in fact it is a it is a superpower. I believe that through love, I'm able to liberate right and so there's this idea of freedom that comes from love because if you think about it, being patient, being kind, being long suffering it it holds no wrong in doing that, people feel or have the ability to be free to be liberated in their mind, to be liberated in their souls, to be liberated in their actions. And so I have learned that because this is part of my makeup, I lead with love that allows for liberation and liberation in all things, not just in learning, not just in um, being cultivated by way of just who you are. But it leads to freedom, freedom in all aspects. And for me, that's my most fulfilling thing uh, in the line of work that I do, but also in the people that I encounter on a daily basis. Like it's so interesting to get messages on Instagram or on Facebook or even like letters where people have found me and I think I've been in a season of needing to be reminded of this because I've been receiving them more frequently. I've been getting a lot of Facebook messages a lot of Instagram messages from uh students uh adults parents that have that have encountered me in spaces where I felt like I was so fragile I felt like I was underdeveloped and not refined but they tell me that what the little things that I did left such a lasting impact that um it's changed it's changed the trajectory of their lives. And so for me being able to hear those things submit me an understanding that everything has a purpose and what I hate most people love.
2: Yeah. It's so funny because as I think about what you're saying, what I wanted to share was even in the capacity that I met you and remember you from. I think it's so interesting because I'm big on authentic connect- connections. I'm big on love and just genuineness. And something kind of came over me and reminded me of you at some point. And then I looked you up and then I found you. And because I remember you being so genuine, I thought to myself, you know what? Let me reach out to her. So the same way that you share that people say, you know, it doesn't matter how, Small in capacity that is from a child, you've had that aura about you to where you come off as light and love. And so that is a beautiful thing. And I think that that's a good way to segue into like your journey to yeah. where you are today.
0: Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Hazel. That uh, I don't hear that often. And so it's really, it's like filling my love tank. Um, to be able to hear those things, kind of talking about exactly what I just said, right? Not knowing that that's what I need, but it comes. At the right opportune time. And so in thinking about my journey, I um growing up again, just always having this dualistic perspective. Um, not always growing up with a, a silver spoon. My mom was a single mom. My father left me at eight. I'm the oldest. And so I had a lot of responsibility um with regards to my mom wanting me to be perfect, right? And so really just ingrained in me this idea of not in addition to being perfect, but a performer. And so that lent itself and it was depicted in all aspects of my life. And so as a student, you know, I'm getting really, really, really good grades, like not going below 90% because I would hear it Um, in addition to that, like as an athlete. So playing all the sports, I remember playing football, I ran track and field. And I mean, all all the things like it was just nonstop consistent, but always being driven to wanting to be better, wanting to be different, because I knew from growing up, I was an anomaly the way that I thought, the way that I was really curious. I would always question everything, policy, procedures, systems, and structures, not knowing what was grounded behind that, but always wanting to be able to have a different experience. I would see um, things and I would envision things and know that there was also power in what it is that I would say. And so knowing if I said something that would eventually come to pass. And so keeping that trajectory as, you know, I navigated through high school Going to Hollywood Hills, even that, a dual, dualistic perspective of just growing up in Miami and then. Transitioning into Hollywood Hills, a predominantly white school with Jewish, uh, a Jewish demographic, not too many African-Americans that stood out. And so I felt the need to always want to be set apart. I took that into college, you know, being part of SGA, being part of different. I was part of a sorority, um, you know, really standing out in community service, um, starting off with dual uh Degree bio and psychology uh, going into med school, pursuing this idea of being a pathologist because again, this, this, this high achiever, high achiever. And it was something that again was ingrained in me. And so go, 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 go. And it was awesome. I'm not going to lie. Like the experiences that I had in college, um, the experiences that I had in school played a very essential component in my fundamental principles of who I am today. And it wasn't until I would say, honestly, 26 upon having my daughter, but having a dream to purchase my home and be the generational curse breaker in my family. So being the first for a lot of things, graduating from college, um, pursuing a career, being known in the newspaper, being in the news, um. And even with all that success and I put air quotes, there was still just like something inside of me that felt like I still wasn't accomplished because I didn't see myself um, being feeling fulfilled. I felt like I was living vicariously through people. And it wasn't until 26 where I had my daughter and I was in the process of completing my second master's in mental health counseling and applied behavior analysis that I was just like, you know, I want to be able to do things differently and, and this explore this idea of choice and optimism and, and, and do things completely different from how I was raised. And it wasn't until then having that epiphany of exploring choice through the lens of optimism and love that I found that my life took a complete different turn, right? Where it was like, wait. I wanted to open up a practice and become a, a psychiatrist and be able to break the taboo and stigma associated with mental health. But then I found myself in education um, where I met a group of young ladies who were deemed to be at risk, deemed to be um the bottom of the barrel. And I was responsible for mentoring them through the program that um at Nova Southeastern for my master's. And it wasn't until like really seeing that as a mom, like I have this person that I'm responsible for, but then I have 12 girls that have never seen life from this lens. Mm-hmm. And so what could, Shaniqua, how could you provide them an experience from your lens? And so rewriting curriculum, taking on this, 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 this task of being able to provide people an experience um so that they're not products of their environment. And so working with those 12 girls that were deemed at risk um creating and devising a plan for them was it was it was life-changing for me because it I stepped outside of myself and truly embodied what it means to love selflessly. So I gave them my all. I gave them every part of me um and the parts that are not polished. The parts that weren't in a paper, I gave them the brokenness. I gave them the fragility. I gave them the vulnerability. I gave them the transparency. I gave them my failures. And what I saw was that I learned how to fail better through them. So it, it made my life make sense. And those young ladies went from not coming to school to coming to school three times a week, Um, from three times a week and getting all F's to getting some C's. But to seeing that they mattered. And at the end of that year, you know, working as an intern, not even in education, I was completing my practicum. The principal was like, you've made such a dramatic change with these young ladies I would love for you to become a teacher in my school. And I was like, what? I don't want to be no teacher. I ain't go to school to be no teacher. And he was like, if you pass the test, I'll give you the job. And I was like, okay, I passed the test. And those young ladies then became my students. And they were, you know, my first gems. And so I started my nonprofit Girls Empowered and Motivated to Succeed, focusing on demographics of black and brown girls that don't have it. you know. I can give you the mission, but what it boils down to is just young ladies that were written off, the invisible, the forgotten, um, the voiceless. And to know that this day, two of them graduated from Brown, one graduated from Harvard, one is actually employed um, with the nonprofit brings it back to my journey, right? So it's like, well, an understanding who I was in 1983 in September in Miami, Florida, being born at Jackson Memorial Hospital um, and having some really uh, tragic moments that kind of catapulted me into understanding triumph and my treasures um, helps me embrace this journey to where I feel like even at 39 years, there's still more left for me to do However, I feel like I've been able to truly leave legacy that's not embedded in just property or, um, intrinsic, extrinsic things, but I've been able to be impactful and influence by giving people all of me. And so to go back to your question and understanding or parts of my, or what is my journey? Um, it's been that it's been. Really looking at my life as pieces and see how the Lord has made um, beauty for ashes and ashes that I didn't embrace at one point. But I've saw, I've seen the power of my story, the power of being vulnerable and transparent, the power of sharing my brokenness and how it's led to other people not necessarily um, shying away from their brokenness, but embodying and embracing it as part of their story.
2: Yeah, I love that. I love all of that because there is so much power when we are open with our stories. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point of allowing yourself to show up as Shaniqua really helped the girls realize, like, wow, I can do it, too. You know, there's a little version of Shaniqua in them to where they're able to look to say, If she was able to overcome and she was able to do, so can I. And I think not many people realize that through their brokenness in terms of the stories and their triumphs and things that they've gone through, it's within that that you really find your power and you really find like what it is you're good at Mm -hmm. that you can persevere through that really gets you to where you need to be. And so many times people go through things and they think, wow, wow. This block is coming in front of me or this is happening. And so this may mean that this is not meant for me. And that's not true. Yeah. Often we just have to be resilient in one of the ways that you described yourself and realize that to your point, it's in those ashes, it's in those broken moments to where we realize our strengths and it also helps us to better connect to the people that we're going to be able to help because if you had no sense of brokenness at any point in your life, you wouldn't be able to relate to the point where you're able to help them evolve. So I love that you are able to see that in in your experience and be able to use that to not... only make your life better but make others have a better journey ahead and so i love that because when you talk about using your gifts like you're truly doing that you're using your superpower and pouring from that standpoint so that's amazing
0: thank you And, and just thinking about like it's 16 years later right i never thought that i would be in education um ever And to be able to go from teacher to writing curriculum, to coach, to principal, to founding a school, to leading and mentoring leaders. Like I did not think that I had the capacity uh, to be able to do it and do it well to the point where there's longevity. Like I can say that I've been in education for 16 years and I've been effective in it. Um, And it's not to be braggadocious, but I think it's an opportunity to encourage someone to be audacious in their dreaming, Um, be audacious in their ability to truly, like you said, um, utilize your superpower and not just when the villains are coming, but how are you using your superpower daily as something that you do on a consistent base? Like I when I say I lead with love, I, I lead with love. Love is an action. And so it's not just in what I say, but isn't what I do. It's in how I show up. It's in it's in all aspects. And so like, yeah, it's it's part of the journey that I'm learning, um, has been worth it.
2: Yeah. What would you say are some of the myths that you heard
0: along the journey as you're working towards quote unquote success? Mm -hmm. I would say really just identity, right? And so being grounded in knowing who you are. And there was a point in my life where I didn't know, like I said, in, in, Earlier, like allowing people to live vicariously through me, and so it wasn't until I was grounded in understanding one that I'm a daughter to the king um and so I am a resource, but ultimately connected to the source is what truly helped me understand and embrace like my superpower because he gave it to me, and if you knew me as the scripture said, you knew me before I was even conceived in my mother's womb. That means that every intricate part of my DNA, my chromosome, my parents, even when I didn't like them, you know, my friends, my encounters um, with relationships with people like you knew and you had a plan and purpose for it all. And so I would say just one um, one of the things along the way I had to like get back in contact with that because life can send you all different places and and it's not until I was able to be ten toes and planted firmly and understanding who I was ultimately to him that I could be who I am to y'all and mm-hmm. who I need to myself um and then from there it's just this idea of understanding. Uh, the, the word in in the world is feedback, right? And so seeing feedback as a gift, which means I have the ability to receive it or to not. Yeah. So often we look at criticism or we, we look at people's opinions and we allow it to stick. But if I see it as a gift, it's something that you're offering to me. I have the ability to either accept it or to reject it. Um, And so often I think, the world and society makes us so critical that we are not able to see the gift in just sharing, sharing your opinion. Um, it, it's just a it's it's an opportunity for me to be uh, challenged intellectually by someone else's perspective. And it's not to say that I have to take it on, but it's really it's it's good to be able to see things from a different lens and a different view. And then I would say. Um, the last thing is just embracing failure. I see failure as an opportunity to do a mistake more intelligently. And so even like I have it tattered on me, fail better. And so like, even when, you know, I speak to my daughter on a daily base, uh, we're taught as adults to say how good, Um, tell me what was good about your day. I would always lead with "What what did you fail at? What was the mistake that you feel like? could have changed like how you operated or function today. And I remember the first time my mom heard me ask that, she was just like, what girl, like, why are you asking that such a loaded question for? And at the time I started that very early with my daughter. So she would be in first grade and it would be like, you know, tell me about um, what 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 were the different components of your day that you did not like? Because it's easy to talk about what's good. It's easy to narrate, you know, the things that you are comfortable with, right? But how do we get people to navigate the uncomfortability of failure and mistakes? It's not until we begin to practice. And so I believe that failure is my best tool. And so navigating life and being able to, you know, climb the ladder of what people deem as success, I would say one of the things that I just had to really study and take note of is failure. Yeah. How can I let it be something that teaches me, that really holds me accountable to being a lifelong learner? Often you hear people say that, but when it comes time to learning lessons, it's not something that they're comfortable with and even comfortable to the point of sharing. But I've learned that like failures have been my best tool. It's been my best teacher um, and being able to glean from those mistakes and failures, I feel like ultimately has cultivated me into embracing what it means to be better and what it means to just continuously learn.
2: Yeah, I think that it's interesting that I love your example of talking to your daughter in terms of like what didn't work out and what resonates with that for me is even a conversation that I was having with my husband about my son because he tried out for a team and he didn't make the team. And so the question that my husband had for me was, should we ask him if he wants to try out for like a league within the area or should we just have him sit out? And I said, no, absolutely not. There's no question about whether or not he's going to try out for a league because he's naturally smart. And so he has to learn that many times you have to work for things in life. Everything won't come easy to you in the way that it comes with your education. And just because something does not happen, it doesn't mean that that's the only way for it to happen. So he does not have an option in whether he's going to get into a league He's going to get into a league and he's going to see that through preparation, you can get to where you want to be. Absolutely. And so he is like practicing, 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 and he's doing his thing. But to your point, it's important from an early age, as we talk about being the first and generational curse breakers, that we prepare our kids with the tools that they need to be able to overcome faster, stand up faster, heal faster, because we realize that we weren't necessarily given those tools. We might've been given love, support, and the belief in us, but how much stronger and better and further can we be as people when we equipped our generation below us with the tools that we didn't have. So I love that story.
0: Yeah, and that that's really um, awesome to even share that perspective with your son and even the question of how much further along can the generation below us become by providing them with the tools earlier on. And I see that even with my daughter, my daughter was able to publish her first book at 10. I published my first book at 32. Right. And so in it, it, and, and her Thinking about business ventures, these are things that I thought about later on in life because not being fortified in just who I was and knowing that I can do it. And as you stated, having the tools where there's a level of accountability for your learning and and your level of preparedness, and I'm able to see it on a consistent base with like the things that I've went through, even with my mentees, my daughter and my students, that they are journeying and accelerating at a quicker pace than I am because they've utilized the tools, they've been equipped and empowered to be able to take risks. That took us some time because we were teaching ourselves um, for the most part and, and building up the strength and the gumption to be able to want to take initiative, want to take risks and be accountable. So I agree with you wholeheartedly, starting earlier on, then often sets them up for success for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so kind of similar topic, but kind of a little transition in the sense of wanting to hear some limiting beliefs that you had to overcome or things that came from naysayers that could have easily stopped you in your tracks
0: yeah um i talk about this in my first book power charge your purpose my second grade teacher miss lyman i will never forget her um i would always ask questions so she taught science and so i would always she would say something and i would be like well why can you expound a little bit more and i remember one class she put me in a corner and she told me, stop asking questions. Like, I don't know why you asking questions. You're not going to get smarter. The only thing you'll be able to do is have children. And at eight, I didn't really understand it, but it muzzled me because I felt like asking questions isolated me. When in fact, asking questions actually was an opportunity for me to expand my knowledge, expand my thinking. And that limited me um, for quite some time to where I felt muzzled. And so my outgoing personality, um, just this idea of wanting to explore, I became very confined. And so reading books in the corner, not wanting to be social, not wanting to be curious and explore because of what she told me. And and then I encountered my third grade teacher, Miss Saunders, who had to like rewire me and build up my confidence. Um, and I'm so grateful for her um, because from then I was able to actually really look at duality, right? Where it's like this one person telling me I can't and this one person telling me I can't. And so I then had to navigate through life with those two ideals. And so when you say like limiting beliefs, like I didn't believe that I had the ability to actually be someone worthy. And even saying it out loud now brings me back to a space of I'm so happy that I process it through therapy and through conversations like these because we don't understand um, the power and validity of our words. And, um, you know, the saying, six and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. I found that actually words hurt more. Words have the ability to kill and destroy. Words also have the ability to speak life. And so at the tender age of eight, and even just thinking back at eight, my father left me, right? So now I'm dealing with this idea of neglect and abandonment, that trauma. Right, from someone's actions to now what someone is saying to me. And so it it limited my ability to feel worthy. It limited my ability to even think of success. Um, I remember even, you know, getting to a certain point, acquiring my double masters, where I was just like, I'm afraid to even share all the things that I've actually accomplished because I don't feel like I'm worthy. I don't feel like I'm seen in the same light as my counterparts, even though I've worked 10 times harder to be able to have a seat at tables, to be able to be an influence and and yield some form of impact. Those limited beliefs limited the scope and sequence of who I truly thought that I was. And so um I would say what really thinking back on my life, it was just the, the words that people spoke um and and not only miss Lyman, but there would be times even coming from my mom with telling me what she think I can't do. you know that's coming from my guardian, uh, the person that is my first example of what it means to be limitless right and so thinking about those things, it was actually not what people did to me. It was what people said. And it's so interesting, the parallel with that, because I am enamored with words. Like I used to read the dictionary for fun. I created, my last book is entitled Nonviolent Vernacular, Positive Ways to Say Certain Things. And so like really looking at words and forcing people to be aware of how they can say things differently. So it's interesting that what limited me before is what's liberating me now. The ability to use my words, whether it be through conversation, whether it be through speaking engagements, or whether it be through manuscripts and writing. I love writing. It's one of my favorite ways to express myself. And so it's interesting. I'm talking to you and actually thinking about it now. The thing that once limited me is the thing that's now liberating me. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: love that because it's kind of what we talked about earlier. A lot of times it's the things that we go through that we have to grow through essentially that Mm -hmm. helps us realize like who we are and where we're meant to be. And I think it's funny, even with you touching on your teacher, I think that it's interesting that you're in education today. Right. (laughs) Full circle moment, right? Yeah big difference in the impact and trajectory of people's lives in the way that you're able to hire the right kind of teachers to pour in the way that they need to pour. Because unfortunately, I had a similar experience in the seventh grade for a health teacher named is Neiman. And I remember it vividly to your point, we were playing like tag through in between classes or something. And a boy fell on me when he caught me. She walks out the door, she sees me on the ground. And instead of offering a hand to lift me up she tells me essentially the same thing that before you know it I'm going to be a teen mom and pregnant and in my thought process it was like you must not know who I am <laughs> right. like how dare you I will show you was yeah. my thought process and maybe it's just the Leo and me because that was my kind of thought process it Was like who is she talking to child? I will show you. But mm. it's almost like in reflection, you think to yourself, like, how is it okay for people in that level of experience and having hand over students to feel like it's okay to be able to have that kind of conversation with a student at that age. And to your point, like words matter that could have done a lot to my ability where I'm the kind of person where you tell me I can't do something and I'm going to show you. But there are a lot of people where you tell them and if they look up to you as a teacher, they take it to harm. Exactly. And and to your point, yeah, you've crippled their ability to grow into who they're supposed to be all because you're saying too much and you're putting your limiting beliefs for yourself
0: onto other people. And that's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Um, one of the trainings that I offer for my teachers at every school that I go to is respect, right? And, and not respect from the lens of, I'm an authority figure, you have to do what I say and, and things of that nature. Respect is understanding that we all are humans and we all have value. That's it, period. And, and literally like, norming to where that is the definition and so from there we talk about it's not what you say it's how you say it and our words matter and I don't even think about the experience that I had with my second grade teacher but that's always been like one of my first professional developments for teachers Think about what it is that you're saying to students. You don't know the power and validity of your words. And so make sure you're choosing them wisely because as an influencer, as someone that can have the most impact on someone's life, you need to be mindful what you say. And so it is definitely a full circle moment because underlyingly behind everything, I could say that that's one of the attributes that really thrusted me into understanding the why behind words and as an educator, how that one experience I had in second grade will never be an experience of any student that, I, that serves under my tutelage.
2: Yeah. And I think that something to touch on is just really understanding the importance of filtering your words because we all have an inner child and yeah. everything that we're sharing is shaping the inner child of these children as they're growing older and just to kind of pull things broader to your point your words matter so whether you're in education healthcare, technology talking to someone walking down the street just really be mindful the things that you're saying it really leaves a huge impact on the lives of others and you truly don't know what someone else is going through to where they might take your word as the truth when in fact to your point it's an opinion
0: yep it's an opinion
2: all right awesome well Shanika where can they find you online
0: uh you can always go to my website www.shanikapierre.com on instagram i am doctor Shaniqua Pierre on Facebook is Shaniqua Pierre. Um, You can Google. uh, I seem to be all over the place these days. Um, But if you type in my name, uh, my books will come up on Amazon, uh, my website and Instagram and all socials. uh, Everything Shaniqua Pierre, you'll find under my name.
2: Well, amazing, guys. Make sure you go and follow her on socials. And I just want to say thank you so much, Shaniqua, for joining us today. It was definitely a value add. I appreciate your transparency, your stories, and just really helping young Shaniquas and women all over the world to realize like you can like listen, tap into all of your experiences and things and know that you can just go ahead and persevere and be resilient
0: and grow through it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Hazel, for having me. It was a pleasure um, to be able to come and share insight, uh, understanding, and provide clarity. Thank you for this platform. You're doing some really incredible work. And I just appreciate this idea of the human experience because I believe that's something that the world is lacking. We often have these experiences that are cultivated and curated for us, but taking it back to basics and truly embodying. What does it mean to embrace the human condition? And so thank you for this platform where we can do just that by way of speaking, conversing and dialoguing and truly understanding the human experience. So thank you. Thank you
2: listen, if you're not already following, go ahead and scroll up to the top and hit that follow button and subscribe. Separate from that, I'm sure this conversation was a value add because it was for me as well. So go ahead and leave a comment and rate the episode and we'll catch you on the next episode.
1: We hope you caught all those gems. So here for all of it, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a gem, write a review so that we know to keep bringing you episodes like this and check us out online at it's Thehumanexperience.com to keep up with us. Keep growing and glowing. Catch you on the next episode.